Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Tuesday or Taste and See Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. So is your, uh, are you, I don't know, my appetite is whetted for pumpkin pie and turkey and oh, my mom's delicious sausage dressing, uh, sausage and mushrooms, um, actually more abundant in the sausage dressing than is the, you know, requisite bread binder that holds it all together. Oh, see, hmm. Okay, Uh, let's lead off this morning with uh, news of life, right? Good news of life. So little Harper Rose Schultz was born on June the 29th at Saginaw's Covenant Healthcare. She was due on October the 23rd. That was her due date. So she weighed less than a pound when she came into this world uh, on June the 29th and at 11 ounces and some four months before her Uh, Her due date, at least according to science, right? I mean, you know, God obviously knew that June 29th was her due date, but you get the the point. All right, so she was 22.5 weeks, just over 11 ounces, a micro-preemie, the smallest baby ever resuscitated at the Covenant Healthcare Regional Neonatal Intensive Care Unit in Saginaw, Michigan. Now, just three weeks ago on November the 4th, in what would have been just like, you know, 10 days after her uh, after her due date, 128 days after she was born, her parents, Emily and Patrick, were finally able to take their daughter home, weighing a healthy newborn six pounds, 10 ounces. I want you to listen to what her dad, Patrick, said. She's such a blessing. We're just so thankful. Walking out was a glimmer of hope in an otherwise difficult year. It's nothing short of a miracle. Listen to those father's words. This is a very young man facing, um, you know, a very difficult situation. Listen to those words, blessing, thankful, hope, miracle. Friends, those are theological words. Those are God words. Those are words of faith. The, word, the world uh, needs those words spoken today. So find a way to work them into your conversations. All right, the big uh, headline news last night and overnight is not only uh, the early staffing announcements by the now officially incoming president-elect Joe Biden, but the event that has now precipitated that transition. So a major event took place signaling the transition is actually going to happen. President Trump authorized the General Services Administration, the GSA, to follow the protocols that are in place for an orderly transition to a Biden administration. Now, let me be very clear. The president has not conceded and does not appear to be planning to concede. Um, Court battles continue, certainly battles in the court of public opinion. But the president did what was necessary to signal to the government agencies 
uh, and to staffers responsible for an orderly transition and, frankly, to the rest of the world, that America is going to get on with her own process. And so that's important headline news today. So the transition for the federal government of the United States of America from its 45th to its 46th president in 231 years uh, officially begins less than 60 days to the inauguration. Nick Pitts is up next. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. We like to talk about the headlines of the day, bring the mind of Christ to bear. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Nick Pitts. You can follow him on Twitter at JNickPitts. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. And um, I have some surprise headlines for him this morning. Nick, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, so great to be with you on this Thanksgiving Eve Eve. It is I know. a glorious okay. Tuesday. It is a glorious Tuesday. And so I, I did not send you this headline yesterday because I had not seen it. But I feel like you are the only person on today's program with whom I can talk about this particular headline um, because it would just freak everybody else out. And you, I feel like, will respond positively to my surprise headline. <laughs> well, bring it on. Let's do it. <laughs> Whole Foods is teaming up with Progressive to offer insurance for your Thanksgiving meal In case the cooking goes haywire, the promotion (laughs) amounts to a free $35 Whole Foods gift card to customers who commit a turkey cooking fail. (laughs) Well, I'm not. um, I I know that my grandmother might be listening to this right now, so I I know I won't need it. But I do. I have heard horror stories of other people that might need this. All right. Let me just give if you're if you're cooking your very first Thanksgiving Day turkey and you're listening to me right now. There are things inside the bird that you need to take out before you cook it. There's a bag of giblets in there, and there is the turkey neck. So let me just warn you of that in advance. It's the grossest part of Thanksgiving Day. You have to get those things that are currently in the bird out of the bird before you cook the bird. There you go. That is my Thanksgiving counsel to all first-time bird cookers. All right, Nick, so um, Grandma for Thanksgiving is making the bird, huh? Oh, she is. She is making the bird. And I have already flown the coot, uh, flown the nest in Dallas um, and have ventured my way back across to the great promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey known as Clarksville, Tennessee. And so things are all and well here. All right. I love it. I love it. All right. So we are going to um, talk about a few headlines now that um, <clears throat> that I teed up for us to talk about. Um, here's the headline in The Washington Post. Faith groups are vital to the social safety net, but volunteers they rely on are aging and their denominations are shrinking. This is um, this is some serious business for uh, people in need across the country who rely on Christians to, you know, to actually keep the social safety net all knit together. You know, it's really fascinating. I'm sure a lot of your listeners can probably attest to this. So we we know we have such a multifaceted healthcare system and we rely significantly on hospitals um, uh, primarily. Um, But one of the interesting things that we're seeing with hospitals right now is it's just it's becoming very onerous and it's becoming very expensive to operate a hospital. 
many hospitals across the U.S. are operating at a loss. And so specifically, some of those hospitals are rural hospitals in rural areas. There's there's numbers out there that upwards of 25 percent of rural hospitals are at high risk of closing right now, especially during this pandemic, because many hospitals rely upon elective surgeries and procedures, and those have been shut out because of the pandemic. Well, then you go down to the next tier, and, and or not next tier, but probably next piece of the healthcare is some of these clinics that are operated by religious institutions, some of these walk-in clinics. And because you have just a, a in all intensive purposes, a Gen Z, a millennial, I mean, even going up to Gen X individuals that aren't participating at the levels they once did with these religious institutions, a byproduct of that is they're just not participating in some of these health clinics that we're offering good Samaritan clinics or some of these Catholic health services. And so many communities are beginning to feel those pangs because those are vital parts of, of a lot of our local uh, communities that really help individuals in time of need. Yeah. So I just want to really encourage folks who are listening right now, if you have, um, you know, if you got a healthcare background and you want to spend some time um, doing good with the extra time that you have on your hands, there are uh, faith-based clinics in your community and all across the country that need some uh, need some extra hands right now, particularly as the volunteers staffing them are you know, they are aging out. They're literally aging out. So just want to encourage people to take a look at that. And also, I mean, it it gets us into a conversation um, about you know who those volunteers are and why why people who love Jesus love people and serve in these ways. So this, this self-sacrificing of time and talent um, for the welfare and care of others um, is distinctly Christian. And oh. and so we just want to highlight that as well. And, and Carmen, uh, um, I know here in Texas, for example, uh, there are many, uh, there are a lot of Muslim groups that have decided that they're going to reach out and to begin to serve the very felt needs and physical needs of their local community members. And then if you look the, uh, at the increase that Muslims are experiencing right now relative to population here in the U.S., a part of that is that they have – Muslim families typically have almost twice as many kids as the average American family. But another part of that is that they're going out into these rural areas, and, and they're really seeing – great success at convert converting people to Islam because of meeting some of these felt needs by opening up some of these clinics and providing for their local communities. And so we know that it works because we've been doing it for thousands of years as Christians. We just have to remind ourselves yet again that um, we're all a part of a one big party seeking the welfare of our city and wanting to, to love God by loving our neighbor. All right, Nick Pitts and I have to take a very brief, brief break. When we come back, we're going to deal with um, the the headline noting a rise in suicides, which probably does not surprise us in the midst of the pandemic. But we're gonna we're gonna address that next here on Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. No Conversation with Nick Pitts. Um, Nick, this uh, this headline um, and this story related to um, the the taking of his own life by uh, you know by a very young man. This was something that um, the family had struggled with. This was a 16 year old who um, whose family had been 
engaged with him over a period of time related to his mental health issues. But they are wondering if the pandemic never happened, would our son still be alive? Um, let's talk about the the rise in suicides uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. Absolutely tragic and tragic that they are not the only families that are having to deal with this circumstance right now. We've always known that there are a variety of factors and there are a variety of known and unknown things we can point to relative to what causes an individual to commit suicide. But what we do know is that there is a loneliness piece of forced isolation um, that really is a, a, a contributing factor and can be very detrimental when it comes to individuals that are contemplating thoughts of suicide. As article kind of points to the CDC uh, indicates that in 2018, uh, 4.3% uh, of Americans of all ages were considering, said they had thoughts of suicide to consider it. That number has jumped to 11% now. Um, it was 10.7% among young adults. That number is 25.5% now. I know uh, earlier uh, the Daily Briefing reported that experts are projecting that anywhere from 3,000 to 8,164 excess suicides in the U.S. will be due to the pandemic between 2020 and 2021. Just absolutely tragic what's happening right now. Um, when we when we think about, yes, the pandemic and the disease and how, how it's sweeping across the U.S. and the rates are rising, but silently there are uh, thousands of families that right now that are grappling uh, with what's, what this pandemic has taken and not because of the virus, but rather because of the idea of it. You know, I um, I talk to young people, younger people. Um, this seems to be much, just much more in the mix of mm-hmm. the media that they, um, of which they partake. It seems to be in the mix of the conversations they openly have. It seems to be in the mix of the music they listen to. Um, they're they're being led in this direction. It's not as if uh, they are coming to this, you know, just all on their own. And there are then obviously the contributing factors of um, of mental illness. But the the ideating that goes on um, among them, not just individually, but among them, um, is is different than it would mm-hmm. have been in generations past. I think that had anyone in my you know, in my circle of influence, in my sphere of influence, had they been, you know, publicly or online um, ideating about the taking of their own life, I would have absolutely seen that as um, a need to intervene it, personally, but also to go and get help to intervene. I wonder if part of this is that there is so much of an everything goes or anything goes or whatever you want to do is okay mentality um, that people don't necessarily see it as wrong when their friends are ideating. Yeah, Uh, you you bring up a really great point. Uh, uh, Experts call it the contagion effect. And Mm. it's the idea that individual when it's out there, when the idea is out there, it's more than it it has a greater propensity to be accepted. And they point back to individuals like Robin Williams, um, that we saw an uptick in the number of suicides after his particular suicide. Um, just because he was, uh, because he was such a well-known figure, and the way that it was portrayed, Jeannie, you're free now, and kind of a positive light 
absolutely tragic story, but the way that it was portrayed in a positive light of now he's alleviated of his burdens and his demons, when in reality, you just you positively allowed other people to say, OK, this is this is a viable way out. And and, and uh, unfortunately, it, it's just not Robin Williams. It's just one study that was pointed to. You can look across our culture and see like from, for example, at Broadway, there's the Dear Evan Hansen musical that has this uh, a suicide that is portrayed and an individual that's thinking about it all throughout the it's a very moving musical. But thinking about it, you get the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why you can point to various other little cultural points where we're, we're seeing that if they're, they're not getting legitimacy explicitly, but they are putting the idea out there. And what we know from the contagion effect is if the idea is out there, it at least puts a, it plants a seed. And that's the last thing that we need to be uh, watering. We need to be putting out there is this idea that suicide is a viable option for those individuals that are struggling. Yeah. So we want to encourage you right now. If, um, if this is something with which you are struggling or someone that you know is struggling, um, we want you to reach out. There are lots of suicide, um, hotlines that are available and want you to encourage you to, um, to make use of those. Um, and if someone that you love is openly ideating about the taking of their own life, you must intervene and get them help. Like, let's be people who are, um, who are interested in life at every age and stage. Uh, let's be pro-life um, on this topic and issue as well. Okay, let's uh, is... let's spend. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say let's um let's take a quick look at this uh, piece from the New York Times. Find a little light this holiday season. Um, at the end of a tough year, spiritual leaders offer some ways to prepare yourself for whatever comes next. This uh. Um, I I put this in the category of expect always the unexpected and anticipate miracles, knowing that with God all things are possible. That is my. But I loved some of the things that were in this list. So let's just rattle through it for people. Yeah, the, uh, probably my favorite is the idea of uh, rediscovering a charity. You know, one of the interesting things that you will see in the research right now that's just so preliminary is that Americans are actually giving more right now um, out of the out of kind of the fear of the pandemic than they were beforehand. Like we're we're actually giving more because we recognize one the brevity of life and two um, there there are people in need and so one of the ideas was to rediscover a charity and then also to light a candle was a was an interesting one I don't know if you if you paid attention to that one I thought that was a fascinating uh, tip that they gave yeah I like light a candle I liked um, think like a poet like I just feel yeah. like. You know, like allowing people, you know, just inviting them to be creative, be free, be imaginative, be curious. Um, there were some expressly Christian, um, you know, encouragements in here. Forgive your enemies. Yeah. Um, uh, and I also thought um, that the last one was the last one. Find a way to grieve. Yeah. Yep. Find a way to grieve. Um, we've actually talked about this, Nick, with several of our guests, and we're going to be talking about it again uh, in the bottom of this hour with Pastor Jason Meyer. Um, people do need to find ways to process through and grieve all the losses of this year, and they are many. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just the loss of you know physical life. There are so many losses that need to be grieved, and we need to find ways, uh, new ways for many of us to grieve those losses. We talked with Joshua Straub just on Friday, and his wife Christy is keeping a grief journal. 
Um, it's just mm. she's just writing it down to get it out. Um, so I thought that I thought it was an interesting list and might be something that we could be encouraging one another to do. Um, drop in on a service is on the list. Um, you know, obviously serving other people is always a great way to get yourself out of whatever funk you're in um, and, and serve the needs of those around us. Anything you want to add to that in terms of uh, looking oh. forward to the future filled with hope? Oh, I am. I'm. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't. I'm gonna have to tune into the uh, the uh, later on during the show. The idea of like understanding the new way of kind of living into this world and grieving what was lost for this past year for so many of us is it's just so important. I think sometimes um, the Christian life is characterized by Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, and we're just supposed to be happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. But to recognize, one, the, the, the kind of circumstances and the trials that we go through, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve. But then recognize, too, kind of the long-term perspective that, as Paul said, I consider these present trials of nothing compared to the eternal glory that awaits. I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the next conversation. Yeah. Amen. Nick, thank you, as always, for joining us. We love talking with you. Happy Thanksgiving. Our love to your grandma. May the turkey be perfect. And if not, may there be turkey insurance. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Have a great day. All right. We love you, man. Thank you so much. All right. What are you uh, what are you feeling like? Just pause for a moment and consider what you're feeling. Take a deep breath and try to identify that um, not not what you got going on on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. Get in touch with what you're feeling. It's probably you know some part of your body that aches a little bit. It's probably some part of your spirit that is um, feeling a little hovered over. That could be positive or negative. There might be some stress or some tension. Your breathing might be labored. What are you feeling? So as we approach the holidays, um, just think it's going to be really healthy to continue to till the conversation with pastors and, uh, and others who are going to help us find our way into Thanksgiving and into Christmas even in a season of lament, even when things are not as we expected them to be, even when there seems to be a little bit of a hovering darkness. So Jason Meyer is going to come back and join us. Uh, He is the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist. He is the author of Don't Lose Heart. We're going to talk about the holidays, Thanksgiving, and the reality of lament. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. At our ranch in East Texas, I have a pet donkey named Toy. Toy is stubborn. I can try and get her to do something, but she has a mind of her own. No amount of commanding, pushing, or yanking can get her to do what I want. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. To some of you, Toy the donkey sounds a lot like your teen. You want good things for him, and you want to keep him from harm. But the more you push and pull and yank and argue the harder he digs in his heels. Next time, try a different tactic. Instead of ruling with an iron fist, try coming alongside and spend some time charming him. Your son or daughter isn't exactly like my donkey, but I'm sure of this. 
they'll respond much better to relationship than authority. Want to hear Mark in person? For a list of upcoming events, go to parentingtodaysteens.org. Welcoming back, Pastor Jason Meyer from Bethlehem Baptist, also the author of Don't Lose Hope. Jason, welcome back. Great to be with you, Carmen. Yeah, so let's, um, let me just ask you as a pastor, um, what, what are you experiencing in terms of what people are feeling and how they are approaching the holidays this year? Yeah, I, I think there's this kind of dual reality that we always experience uh, there's the hope of the holidays and the things that we enjoy about it and the promise of delight and family and all that. Uh, and then you also have the uh, challenge of the holidays that comes with it, where sometimes there's hard family dynamics. Sometimes there's extra things like this year with pandemic and, and election controversy and all the rest. And so I think people in their in their hearts want to have hope that the holidays will be good. And in their heads, they think this is going to be terrible. I just need to endure it. So some people like want to thrive, but they feel like, oh, I'm just going to try to survive. So um, you wrote wrote a whole book on the topic, Um, you know, don't lose heart. Let me give people the subhead because I think that um, it, it, it helps anchor what we're talking about. Gospel hope for the discouraged soul. Um, Jason, talk a little bit about discouragement and the kinds of discouragement that that we face. And then I want to talk about hope and I want to talk what it is, uh, you know, what is hope as a substantial reality? Yeah, well, the the kind of recipe or equation for discouragement is actually quite simple. We we look around and the reasons to lose heart are so great, so prominent, so in your face that you try to always do this calculus where you say, is, is what I'm facing versus what I have enough? And let's face it, we, we never feel like we're enough. We never feel like we're on top of everything. We never feel like we have what we need. And so we, we always walk around with this just low-level discouragement when actually, when you think about biblical hope, it doesn't say that the, the reasons to lose heart are fake. It says they're real, very real, and they feel very in your face. But biblical hope says the reasons to take heart are always greater than the reasons to lose heart. So if you just think about an analogy, it, I think the, the discouragement idea is just perfectly exemplified in the Eastern Airlines Flight 401 that crashed December 29, 1972. As they went back and looked at this airline flight, what they found was there was a burnt out bulb for the landing gear. The landing gear was actually down at the end of the flight heading into Miami, but the the bulb, the, the green light that indicated the landing gear was down wasn't on. So the second officer was looking into it, he couldn't figure it out, and then the first officer looked into it, and they couldn't figure it out, and then the, the captain started looking at it as well, and they didn't realize that the, the autopilot had been turned off, so without even realizing it, 
they, they were losing altitude and too late discovered that the plane had crashed. So they, they spent so much time looking at the warning light that they missed the landing strip. And that can be so easy for Christians to do during a pandemic, during an election cycle, during family drama, where you spend so much time looking at the warning light and you think that's what I've got to focus on and you become preoccupied with it and you miss eternity. You miss the fact that God is at work, like in the political cycle. Yes, it's, it was an important election, but Christians, when you read the book of Acts, you discover it was never the church's strategy to try to get the right ruler in power. The ascension says he already is. He's ruling and reigning. He's building his church. We're heading to eternity. We know that our future is certain. Jesus said in this life, you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we need to stop looking at the warning light and remember the, the landing strip. Okay, I'm typing, I'm writing, I'm taking notes. Um, a listener saying, wow, there's another light bulb flash. Um, the, the light, you know, the light dawns um, moment by moment as we speak words of truth into one another's realities. And I want I want people to be mindful of that over these holidays. Like we can influence the atmosphere in the room um, or the atmosphere on our Zoom call or when our family gathers over FaceTime, however it is that your family and your loved ones, your friends, maybe you're doing a friend's Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving, however it is that you are getting together, um, even if it's not physical, right, it's still spiritual. And you and I can have a spiritual influence in each and one of, of those environments. And so let's talk about that, Jason. Let's talk about how I bear hope into an environment where people are discouraged? Like, how how does a believer actually bear the hope into the environment? Yeah, the, the real hope is to kind of remove the savior complex that says, I have to bring something into this. I have to do something. If I say it just right, if mm. I have just the right thing to say, if I say it at just the right time, I mean, that that will crush you. You have to understand that as a believer, we no longer live. Christ lives in us. And just like when the disciples were huddled in fear for the Jews with doors locked and Jesus comes in with his presence and says, my peace, I give you. As a Christian, when you have the presence of Christ, you're bringing him into that situation where there's fear. And he's the one that brings peace. So practical example. When you get into these situations and you're talking with people and they're talking about how hard things are, you get to bring the eternal perspective to bear, the presence of Jesus. So when people are talking about the things that are hard, I always remind people of this eternal perspective because as Christians, we know that this world is fallen and therefore there's always challenge. But we also know this is our father's world. So there's always joys, there's always beauty, and the problem that we find is that if we are experiencing pain, for a Christian, what we know is that that is as close to hell as we're going to get in this life. But if you are an unbeliever, the joys of this life are as close as you'll get to heaven. 
Therefore, everything needs to be constantly put into perspective. Put your pain into perspective, put your joy into perspective, and that eternal perspective will suddenly bring hope because we know we're not hoping in this life. If, as C.S. Lewis says, we find that we can't be satisfied by anything in this world, then it stands to reason we're made for another world. Okay, again, I'm typing. Okay, how is it that a person, you know, is invested with such good little nuggets of um, of wisdom? So the pain you're experiencing now as a believer is as close as you'll ever get to hell. That's that's a thought to hang on to today. And the reverse is also true for the non-believer. The joy um, that you experience in this world is as close as you're ever going to get to heaven. That that's heartbreaking um, for those of us who are believers and know um, know the joy that is set before us in Jesus Christ and all of those incredible promises um, about what yet lies ahead. Jason Meyer and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. The book is Don't Lose Hope. You can also find Jason at Bethlehem Baptist, where he is one of the pastors. We'll be right back. Jason Meyer is pastor for Preaching and Vision at Bethlehem Baptist Church. He's also an associate professor of New Testament at Bethlehem College and Seminary. He is the author of Don't Lose Hope, and I love talking with him because of not only his pastor's heart, but um, his biblical insight and the way that he can turn a phrase in ways that sets a hook in my heart and mind um, upon which I can, you know, hang the things that happen throughout the day um, and then respond to them by faith. Uh, Jason, we've got a listener who says, hey, there's another reference to C.S. Lewis. Um, People seem to reference C.S. Lewis a lot on your show, uh, and this listener has never read any Lewis. Where do you recommend she starts? Boy, that's a a great question. Actually, most people would say um, it really depends on where your situation is what your heart longs for. If you're looking for really solid proof that Christianity is real, um, mere Christianity is always a great place to start. Um, If you're looking for insight into the Psalms, I mean, what Lewis says about uh, the the Psalms is just dynamite. Um, Also, the the screw tape letters are an incredible resource. Like, for example... Uh, in the screw tape letters, he's he's actually talking about what one demon would do to help another demon understand temptation, and it is just so insightful. The things that Satan uses to draw Christians away. Just just one example from our political season: um, the the senior demon writing to the younger demon says, Here, "Here's how you can use politics to draw away your client from Jesus." First make politics part of his religion, and then over time nurse him so that politics becomes the main part of his religion. And then over time, what you can do is completely flip it so that religion is just part of his politics. I mean, it's just really incredibly insightful. So yeah, so much of Lewis is helpful. I mean, of course, Narnia is is a great uh, children's series where you find so many nuggets 
about who Jesus is and Aslan. Um, he's, he's not safe, but he's good. I mean, there's just tons of helpful stuff in Lewis. And he's so, um, He's so broad in terms of the things that he writes about. And uh, and so um, I remember reading Surprised by Joy and understanding so much more about love and grief um, by reading that. Uh, I remember, in fact, I've read and reread The Weight of Glory. Um, I think that in terms of understanding the nature of God, that is a... Uh, that's a profound conversation. And lots of these, for those of you who are listening and you've never read any Lewis, many of these are actually just available as downloadable PDFs online. Um, and so if you just Google C.S. Lewis and any of the things we're talking about, several of these are available online um, for free. And that might be a, a way that you could you know, scan the content before committing to buying uh, buying a book or something like that. Um, what's the one, uh, what's his series that, um, you know, I would consider like, you know, otherworldly in terms of uh, it, it ha- it's oh help me out it's like a it's like about it's space the, yeah it's often called the the space trilogy yeah so um that one i know i've never read it but that one is um is another that people point to frequently um in terms of the conversations that we're having uh, having today um yeah. all right back to our conversation about lament um when when you turn to the scriptures um, in times of lament, where do you turn? I mean, the the Psalms, probably um, a third of the Psalms are lament. And one of the most powerful things about the Psalms is that they don't just give you um, a, a, a light into your experience. They don't just speak to you. Sometimes they speak for you. You have an experience, and you can't quite put it into words, and you're reading a psalm, and you find out, oh, this is exactly what I'm feeling. I couldn't even put that into words. One person said, if you complain about God, that's sin. If you complain to God, that's a psalm. So, Mm. so often, these things are just speaking for us as we have words of lament given so that we can pray it back to God. All right. Now, um, a, a completely different conversation here in the last couple of minutes we have. What are you preaching on right now in the lead up to Christmas? We're actually going through the book of Acts, and we're looking at Acts 1, 1 through 11 in Advent. And what's so powerful about it is the first three verses are about the first coming of Christ. The last three verses, verses 9 to 11, are about the second coming of Christ, and smack dab in the middle of that is the commission of Christ to make him known among all the nations, which is exactly what we're called to do in this time. Why are we still here? The Spirit has been given to us to testify of Jesus. The Spirit has not been given so that Christians can argue about mass and politics. The Spirit is given so that we can testify to Jesus, so that the hope is 2020 would not be looked upon as the year of the mask, but could be for somebody the year of salvation. We're not going to be in heaven someday talking about, you remember the mask? People are going to be talking about 2020. The main story is still Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and return. 
And people are coming to Christ in this year around the world and here in the United States of America in unprecedented numbers. And so um, for each believer who's listening right now, there is a heart primed by God, primed by the Holy Spirit, primed by the events of the day, um, ready, ready to receive the good news of the gospel. And you and I get to be the people who walk the reality of who Christ is into the lives of others today. Um, We are the hope people. We are the gospel people. We are the light people. Um, And so let uh, let us be. Let us be the people who know Christ and indeed make him known. The Spirit has been given us to testify to Jesus. And let's make this then the year of salvation. Um, and that's about as redemptive a thing as we could accomplish. And Jason, um, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the light uh, that shines through who you are and the word, uh, the word that you preach and the way that you shepherd your flock. We, uh, we, we genuinely appreciate it. Thanks so much, Carmen. You're, you're a real gem. Oh. My husband, Jim, will appreciate that. (laughs) Hey, have a blessed day, man. Uh, We'll be right back. Hey, we have listeners uh, asking that we would be praying for them to find a local church family, be led to a local church family. Um, Friends, I am reminded that this is a season during which you and I have an opportunity to invite others um, to experience fellowship with us in totally new and unique ways. Um, And we need to be enfolding people into the life of faith, even when we can't like sort of tell them to go to church to get that done. And so how can you as a Christian... Um, as an outreach of the local congregation of which you are a part, how can you invite in and begin to enfold another believer? The role, uh, the certainly the role of the church in discipleship is unique, and you and I, as members of the body of Christ, play a role in helping people get connected to local expressions of the body. And so, how are we? How are we actually doing that? How are we um, functioning? as the hands, uh, the faces, the outreach of the local congregation of the church of which we are a part. And if you are disconnected from the local expression of the church, it's time to reconnect. It's time to reconnect. There is no Lone Ranger Christianity. There is the bride. There is the body. And without you, the body is less than it than it can be. Um, and you are not experiencing uh, the Christian faith in the way that God intends. So let's get ourselves connected to local expressions of the church. Let's love the bride, not just the bridegroom. Um, and let's be people who help others get connected as well. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. I'm going to lead off with a conversation I had with an 82-year-old. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.